You're listening to Unmotivated and Unprepared, a podcast where we take a break from the everyday hustle and bustle to muse about life, liberty, and the pursuit of randomness. Now here's Greg and Ross. What's up, party people? It's Ross. Hey, and it's Greg. And we are at Unmotivated and Unprepared episode numero eight. That's the Ocho, Greg. So yes. we're we're a big deal now. <laughs> and I, I do want to say, Greg, something I didn't tell you in the in the pre-show. So no need to be concerned. But for those avid listeners, the you might have heard in the intro. The intro's got a little bit of a new sheen, a little luster to it. I re-recorded my vocals. Nice. Don't worry. Don't worry. Still the same level of dynamicism. Dynamicism. I can't say the word that you would always expect from me. But I don't have a sinus infection this time, like I had before. So I sound a little <laughs> less nasally. It was bothering me, Greg. I finally, admittedly, I finally listened to a full episode of the podcast intro and everything yesterday and it's like man i was really stopped up when i recorded that intro and, and the extra so outro so noted if for the for the for the keen ear a little little less a little, little more shine on there so just uh, just for everyone's awareness since we're episode eight i figured it was time for me to re-record so a remix if you will re- remaster a, a remix got it yeah yeah same same stuff same stuff so so greg we're talking we had a little we had a little sidebar last week with 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 Vegas and before we were talking about retirement we started we started getting into retirement we realized you know that's a good that's a good full episode that we can we can chunk out here so i want to talk about retirement and this kind of this kind of came to me when i was looking at my 401k which i know don't look at your 401k right now with the way the market is but it had this little the website had this little man in a truck and it's like <laughs> And it's supposed to make me feel better. And I was like, here's what your target's going to be, 5X, blah, blah, by this age. And I realized that truck was on a flat road and it should have been like a mountain climber, like Price is Right, you know, going yeah. up the hill uh, because I was way far off. And I was like, man, am I, am I going to have to be a budget retiree or am I going to get to be a baller retiree? And so that's why that's a topic at hand today. So budget versus baller retirement. So I think we're going to just, you know, meander on through the different topics. And so I wanted to get your perspective. First, what is, what's the ideal retirement age in your, in your opinion? Well, I mean, we mean full on retirement, Ross, where we don't do any work anymore. And we become like docents at a museum or do volunteer activities at, 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 at children's homes or something. Retirement in the sense that. It's a Tuesday morning. I wake up, but I decide, you know what? I don't really want to do anything. I just don't do anything that day. So that level of retirement. And and one note here, folks. Maybe I need to put this at the beginning of the show. We are not financial advice experts. So please, God, if you're, ta- if you're taking advice from Greg and Ross, um, please, please see a financial advisor that's professionally certified. But anyway, so that's, that's yeah. what I mean by like, I wake up, I decide... Oh, get a big stretch in and I decide, you know what? I don't want to do anything today. So I don't do anything. 
So my my goal my goal is to be out of the corporate rat race by fifty fifty five. That's my goal. Twenty fifty five or 50, you said fifty? No, fifty five. Like, oh. Age fifty fifty five. Age fifty or fifty five. Okay, okay. Right. I have no interest in continuing in what essentially is the worst of humanity. Sure, sure. That's and that's and that's that's fair. You've got you've got moral moral fiber. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that corporate all the way around is horrible. I don't think that's that's not a fair expectation, but. It seems like I want to be in the situation where if I am going to still work corporate, which I don't plan to do, I plan to go right and do whatever. I don't want to be competing with people who care about ego. I just want to walk into a room and they they know right away, well, piss him off. He's going to just put up the deuces and walk the hell out. Yeah, yeah. He, he's the dude that's going to be like, he's going to speak his mind because he knows if he feels like he'll never come back. Yeah, like I'll walk out. Like I, I mean, I don't want to, but at the same time, I don't want to be this guy we used to work with, and an old company was seventy eight years old, still working, and sure. and I don't, I don't want to do that. I mean, he did it because he didn't want to be at home. I don't know if he had an issue with his wife or just whatever, but I don't want to be doing that either. But sure. fifty fifty five, I want to be in that situation where I can just be like, I don't want to play your games anymore. So then, with that. When you sunset out of the corporate world, are you? I mean, the first thing you mentioned, you're going to work in a museum. Is, is this just like a like a health no. insurance gig? Or you said you said writing. So no, no, dose in a museum. No, I, I plan to be a professor and do the just the teach and write and publish and that kind of stuff at 55 nice. and, and be done. The docent museum thing is what you do when you're 65 and you're like, cool. I'm gonna go talk about natural history. Plus, I think it'd be fun to like put in fake facts in between real facts and nice. like mess up kids for life. Like, just yeah, yeah. but but the but the nice man at the at the museum said this. Uh, he was totally trolling you. <laughs> but like this, this is this is the Nazis, and this is Hitler. He's also the father of gummy bears. And <laughs> It's like ruined gummy bears for everyone forever. It's not true, by the way. It's not true at all. Even though the guy who did invent gummy bears was a German, it was not at all related to the Nazis. Is that where? Oh man, we're gonna go off a tangent. Is that is are Albanese Albanese gummy bears? Are they? Are they? No, those not, are not, those are made for the United States. But the okay. actual manufacturing of gummy bears, the creator of them, Haribo mm-hmm. is the original manufacturer of gummy bears. They didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. And really, okay. interestingly enough, and I didn't know this, Ross. That it wasn't until the late '80s that they became stateside. Oh snap! Really? So like, okay. like, yeah. So, like, when you think about the gummy bear cartoon, that was all mm-hmm. like a new idea for the American market. Gummy bears just didn't exist. Oh wow! So okay, so like Gen, like Boomers and some of Gen Gen X. Well, Boomers more than anything didn't really have the like no. gummy bears weren't a thing as kids and everything else. It was really more. Gen X and millennials that really got the gummy bear. Yeah. Experience. The gelatinous candy thing. I think the, probably the first foray into it for the U S is probably fruit snacks. I mean, probably, yeah, but yeah, no, I was man. reading about it the other day that, that gummy bears were, were definitely a German invention and did not make it to the U S until the late eighties, early nineties. Oh, today I learned. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, so a little bit of a tangent there, but good, good gummy bear fun facts. <laughs> so, so you're, so you, now, so fifty fifty five still gives you the ability as a retiree to have some level of job to keep you busy. Because I'm convinced, we've talked about this, that, that some of the reason, I mean, like people still want something to do. 
right? They still want to, they want to be active in something. There's very few people that literally just want to retire and sit there and just, just stare off into space. They want to have some sort of a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it, you know, there's plenty of urban legends and stories about guys who are like generals in the army that became Walmart greeters. By the way, I don't buy it for a second. But the idea that you need something to do, I think, is genuinely true. If you don't have purpose, it's hard to do. Now, there are people, I mean, like they get obsessed with their model trains and actually do fully retire. and they get, But they get really into their model train networks and then start going to model train conventions. And they're just model train. Yeah, it's fans. a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. Model trains are huge. I would do puzzles. That's what I do. But more to come on that. I have a theory on the puzzle thing, but I'll come back to that. So, so you, so you're doing your thing here, and I'm thinking, okay. So from a budget perspective, because I, I think being a professor, living a, you know, just kind of doing doing your thing as a professor, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a baller lifestyle. Like we're not talking. You know, you're not you're not cruising no. for a living. You know, no. when you when you when you retire. So, do you? Would you have to downsize? Would you have to like change anything about what you do right now? Or is your plan to try to get to a place where you can do the professorship and continue to keep things, you know, status quo for everything else? Well, I think I put a significant amount of what I make away in retirement. So I maintain a lower cost lifestyle, even though I do have some bougie taste items. uh, My lifestyle isn't exactly exorbitant. Uh, so, and I, my housing costs are small. I'm not really interested in investing a whole lot of money in real estate. Uh, I'm not necessarily in love with staying put. So the professor thing would just be a a salary. And then I wouldn't have to put any of that money away in retirement. All the money that I would have in retirement, I've already put away before I got here. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, and I think that's the thing with like, you know, you think how, like, we're, we're in the United States, so health insurance, right? Like, depending on our global our global listenership, might have a different different thought on when you retire and if you have a job just for health insurance. But we won't we won't scratch at that topic today. So I'm I'm looking at it going because when I think of age, I'm I'm right with you. I'm like 55. That, that's because for me, it's what I want to do. I want to. I'm more of a volunteer person when I want to do it. I mean, I, I, I do something with a steady source of income. I think that's fine, but I'd really prefer to do the whole volunteer at different places, right? Spend my, you know, right now, a lot of my contributions to places are places that I would volunteer for in the future. You know, put my money towards donating. Now I put my time in the future when I have more time. So for me, it's really, you know, keep the same lifestyle and then, you know, go volunteer at different places around, you know, and be, and be that guy who just shows up and decides to volunteer for a few weeks or then, you know, decides to do more of that. So that's, that's me. Now I, I'm very fascinated by, and I don't know if you know anything, the whole expat thing. Mm-hmm. So people who it's kind of not, not really a baller, but somebody who takes takes their money and moves somewhere where maybe their money can go further or they just go away and get away. So what do you know any, you know, any expats? So people who have gone and lived overseas mm-hmm. after they've mm-hmm. retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've, I know people who do that and that's not a bad way to do it. Right. I've known people that have done that in Thailand 
where it's just a, your dollar goes a lot further in Thailand. Uh, it's a very popular destination for Australian expats. Meant lots of those. Uh, you don't want to pick somewhere like Japan. That wouldn't be a good place. You wouldn't be like, yeah, let's be an expat in Japan because it's just the dollar doesn't go anywhere there. Yeah, yeah. It's like the same thing. It's just like, okay, so you're now just going on a long vacation. Yeah, but I think the, the, the challenge you'll find with expats is that at some point you're going to get to a certain position where your health will deteriorate beyond what that local cost, that local economy can support. And mm -hmm. at that point, what do you do? Like, yeah. do you go home? Right? Because the last year of life is the one that actually causes the most issue. Unless you like do the San Antonio diet thing and then like just get diabetes and get yourself on that track. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that's I feel way. bad for all the shout out to all the people in San Antonio, but, but diet plays into it. It's if yeah. you want to have an aggressive after retirement lifestyle, you need to maintain your health now, not trying to fix it when you're 55. Yes. Yes. You got to invest in it now. God, I feel like a motivational speaker. Invest in your health now. But that also makes later. a difference, right? If you choose to be an expat and you want to move someplace, plus there's always the issue of what happens if the local government changes or if there's new restrictions, what do you do? Uh, but it is, it is a good opportunity if you do want the island lifestyle or you want to go to a poor economy um, and be that rich you, person. Like Costa Rica is a lot of places where people go to retire or where would you Ecuador. Go? I don't want to do that. I, I don't, I, I have no interest in being, um, I have no interest in being an ex pat in a foreign country. Okay. okay. I think America, I think America is a fantastic place to retire. Um, I think, I think of all the places you could retire. Uh, yeah. I mean, I want to go visit a lot of places. Sure. I mean, seriously, if I get to a certain point where I want to go do that, I'll just live on a cruise ship for 365 days a year. So, okay. So, so let's, I mentioned that let's unpack that because I, how does, how does that work? I mean, and, and like, what's the average age? Cause I know you've been on some cruises. You <laughs> No, I've been on one cruise, Ross. I've been on one cruise and it was a bunch of old people. That was well, one was, cruise. But one it was cruise. the cruise. It was a cruise of a lifetime from what yeah. I, from what I yeah, remember. Yeah, it was one cruise. Um, but how, so do you just, you just have enough money that your dividends, you just live on a cruise ship because all the amenities are there. Is that yeah, I mean, essentially, I mean, I mean, there's doctors on board and everything else. I mean, what's it around the world cost? What are, what's the around the world cruise costs? Oh, shoot, I don't even know. I've never done a cruise before. Like I've got, right. I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to really, I mean, yeah, you've got doctors. So, you know, there's, there's doctors on board, but it goes back to your point of the cost, like, at some point, you get an illness, and the cruise doctor's like, uh. "Sure." So, so you can go on Royal Caribbean, and it would cost you sixty thousand dollars a year to go around uh, to do a three hundred sixty-five day cruise. Sixty <laughs> k a year. Sixty k a year. I which mean, is, which actually, if you think about it, with rent and everything else, it's not bad. It's really not. I mean, you have a tiny no. room that you live in, but it's not terrible. I mean, you could do it. I imagine you probably add on an extra hundred thousand dollars, and you pick out a better, nicer cruise to be on. Sure, sure. So you, so you rolling, rolling six figure cruise a year. Yeah. You got, you got all the, you got all the amenities. Your doctor's like, what, like, like what, you know, 
I mean, are they decent? I mean, they're not surgeons. You know, you need, no, you need I mean, something. I mean, you've got to be mindful that, like, yeah, you've got to have travel insurance and you've got to be mindful of what you're getting into. But again, odds are your health is probably pretty good up until a point. Yeah. 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 And I mean, they've got, I wonder if those 365 day cruises, like once a month, they have like a a medical excursion. <laughs> so it's like everybody with the doctor's like, all right. All of you who I couldn't handle, we got an excursion today to a to a medical facility. All get yeah. fixed up. We get back on. Repair those hips. Yeah, know, moving out, moving out. You know, and you could. I mean, you could see the world. And but I mean, it's again, it's not cheaper than living, right? I mean, the average life in the United States for one person, if you if you did it inexpensively, is about thirty to thirty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So doing a world around the world cruise is not exactly for 365 days isn't exactly like you're you're living that life. But if you had a high end condo and you had, you know, you take food into account and going out to restaurants and different things, you take that into account. You're probably looking at a five thousand dollar to six thousand dollar bill unless you're doing like Charlotte. I mean, if you buy a nice house here, it's four thousand dollars a month. So four thousand dollars plus, let's say two thousand dollars for food. You're talking about six thousand dollars. I mean, you're you're gonna get there pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's your that's your that's your budget for cruise. Yeah, so, and I think I think the one thing with people is like, to me, I was fortunate. My you know, my parents told me to save early. You know, save save early because that's that's where I read a stat somewhere. Forget what it was that you know you put a set amount of money in. By the time you retire, half of the money you have in retirement was what you put in in your 20s. And the rest is 30 and beyond just because of time value of money. Like if you consider like putting it in an investment, I'm just like, man, that's like, that's tough. A lot of people don't have the means to necessarily put in a ton into a retirement account when they're in their 20s. But that makes that makes a huge difference. And retirement was always like I said, I'm, we've said I've said this so many times. People people probably think I'm 70 years old already and wondering why I'm not retired. I've been thinking about retirement since I started work, not because I necessarily hate my job, but just because I was told like save for it. Yeah, you know? I mean, it, it definitely is something that I've done since I since I got job since I got a job and employment. I started putting money away, and you get better at it as you get older. It's hard at 22 to put together more than. Six percent of your salary and put it away. Not yeah, to mention yeah. student debt and everything else. It's pretty hard to do. So yep. you have to wait till you get salary raises to get you in a place where you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think happens is people get to a certain point where they want a different lifestyle because they're working harder. They're like, I deserve a better lifestyle. And the reality is, you should always be living like two paychecks before. Yes. Again, we're not financial advisors. Don't take our advice. But those that. The reality about retirement is that if you want the lifestyle in later life, realize that you don't want to be in a position you have to downsize. No one wants a life where they go, wait, I ate caviar forever and now I've got to eat macaroni and cheese and SpaghettiOs. Like you don't want to do that equation. So you have to get to a point where you can sustain what your life is and assume that you'll still be able to sustain it even if you you don't. So for instance, a good example is um, I used to get a a check from teaching at UTSA. I no longer teach at the University of Texas, San Antonio. This is, so this is my first kind of month not going to have that extra money coming in. And it's a it's not going to affect my lifestyle at all because I didn't rely on it. But it is yeah. one of those things you got to take into account that you're not getting that anymore. Imagine now if somebody came in and, and cut your paycheck in half. 
-hmm. What would you then do if they cut your like, yeah? Yeah, then it becomes real because you right. have to plan for. I guess it's the. Uh, I'd say it's the financial taper, you know, yeah. of of going into retirement or you know living under your means. That way you can be prepared for when things do drop if you want to go that way. Now, some people want to continue to go up and they, you know, they live to work, not work to live type of situation. I'm definitely not a live to work person. I'm a work to live. I, you know, try, I try to do my best every day at work, but at the end of the day, logging off of work, I get more satisfaction when I'm not at work doing stuff, but that's, but you still have to outside of work, even if you're one of those people that just loves the nine to five and just yeah. into that. And we'll do that till the day you drop dead, you'll be working a job. You still have some level of, you got to consider what you can do. Like, is your mind going to still be sharp at 78 years old? Like when you're, when you're doing those things, like there's going to be somebody else who, you know, is kind of coming up behind, like, Hey, I want to, I want to work. I want to do this job. So yeah. that's, that, that's where, and I think to me, I was thinking about this. I, I was visiting my family yesterday and I was talking to my 95 year young grandmother um, and mine still super sharp. Like, man, she retired 30 years ago, like, like, like 30 years of retirement and still sharp as a tack. You know, didn't want to come over when we were having lunch because she was watching the U.S. Open tennis. And so she's like, no, I'm, I'm watching tennis and I'm in my shorts. I, I'm not like, I don't, look, I don't look nice and I'm sitting here watching my sports. But I was thinking, how do you, how do you keep your mind sharp in retirement? Like you've, it sounds like you've got a pretty good plan. That professor thing will probably force you to continue to stay sharp. But I was looking at it, I was like, you know what? Jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> jigsaw puzzles. So my grandmother always has done jigsaw puzzles. And I don't think it's just putting the things together that have kept her mind sharp. But I think that she, I think it's just, it's just a routine that she had that always forced her to think through things. Even if it's just looking for something, visual recognition. Yeah. So I'm like, I got to start coming up with my list of things to do. I do jigsaw puzzles, by the way, which is why I'm, I feel super smart sometimes. But I'm like, okay, what are some things, what are some activities I do when I retire that I can stay, stay sharp from a mindset standpoint? So, I mean, definitely be interacting with other humans. I think if you don't interact with other humans, that's going to be a problem. The other part is, of course, keeping fluidity in your thought process. So I think what happens to a lot of people is they watch one news channel, they watch one story, they watch one focus point. Uh, and you have to, you need, you need people to debate with and discuss it. Uh, you retain more information when you communicate it. You ever notice how you're, how, when right away you learn something, you tell someone something, you'll remember it. So like right away, you'll go fact check me on the gummy bears because that's what you do. And you're going to gummy bear check, fact check that. And then you're going to tell Monica that fact check. Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. In your next FaceTime talk, like whatever, or whatever you do. Right. So. Yep. Yep. I'm totally going to, I'm going to be talking all about the gummy bear history, but I'm going to remember it because of that. Yeah. So, and that's how you retain information. I think as an older person, you have to retain, you have to retain that information. 
Uh, and I think uh, people who are stuck in nursing homes have no one to talk to. And I would imagine that if you're just talking to someone who's eating the jello or poking their finger in the jello and you can't actually talk to them about something, you'd probably turn into mush yourself. Yeah. You have none of that. You have none of that like stimuli. Right. And I think the same reason why like the podcast is important because it reframes my day, it reframes my, my week and says, okay, what did I do this week? What were the thought processes that I had this week? And what are some things that are interesting? Granted, it wasn't looking up gummy bears. I think I looked that up like two weeks ago, but, but that's, those are the things I think people can do to keep their mind sharp. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I think it, so for me, when I, when I think about, I do agree with it, despite being an introvert. I do agree with the people interaction. I think there's a, I think one of my biggest fears from a retirement perspective is to me, it's the mind, not the physical thing. Like, and I'm, I'm a fitness guy. I like to work out. I like doing the fitness thing, but like forgetting things like just scares me. And I mean, I know it does a lot of, a lot of people, you know, you got dementia, you got Alzheimer's, just, just those things happening. But I see those interactions and to me, it's like, okay, you want to have the people interaction. You want to be around people that, and part of me is like when my grand, when my grandmother on my mother's side passed away, she, she had, she had dementia and it was one of those things that all of a sudden she would start speaking in German because that's, that was her first language. And she would like, crisp like lucid remember like stories and everything else but it would all be in german and my mom was around and my mom could speak it so like my mom could communicate with her and talk to her um so so it was interesting how like all of a sudden she would remember something or she'd remember stories from like a long time ago or she'd start speaking german so just fascinating to me that if you have people around, you have that people to talk to, you can still remember things and you can still have those interactions with people, you know, and to your same point with the nursing home, just like, yeah. Eh. Well, that's what family, I mean, so I think people are obsessed with living forever, right? And there's this idea mm-hmm. of, I don't want to die. I want to live forever, but it'd be very lonely to live forever. Uh, and, and I get it, right? And so as an excuse for not living forever, they donate all this money to a university and put their name on the building because, you know, that's good for birds to shit on. But but that's what that's what people do for foreverness. But I think what we do with our friends, and this is what we've done throughout all of our friendship and what I've done with other friends and family, is that you tend to find yourself talking about your history, about your past, and reuniting on those moments and making new memories to have those stories to talk about the next time you see each other. And I think those are the things that we get. That's why trips are important. That's why finding get togethers are important. That's why family reunions are important. That's why exclamation points in life are important because they are things that you can come back to as chapter markers in your life. And we, we so often blow past them, not realizing their impact on us as individuals and what's going to have an impact on our long term. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and I think there's, you, you mentioned that I, I was thinking about that. I started, started writing a journal, like journaling on stuff just to kind of remember some of the interesting things. Um, and, you know, of course, from a data perspective, then I go down this really like dangerous path of like, Ooh, I got to tag it. And I got to tag these entries when they talk about food or when they talk about vacation, I'm like, all right, well now I'm just building a database of my life you know, that's, that's searchable. I'm like, who's going to go back and look at that. But then I look at it and 
like I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but like we do this whole, uh, my wife and I do this whole adventure coffee thing where every Saturday, yeah. yeah, every Saturday we go to coffee. So now I'm tagging that with adventure coffee so I can go back and look at the end of the year and see like what the favorite ones were. So when we, when we have a need for coffee, you could go get, you know, you go get coffee somewhere else, but it's to your, your, we all become historians. I guess that's what you're getting at. We all become historians at some point, whether it's of other topics, family topics or ourselves. And that's why it is as much as I, 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 it's funny. I went to a family reunion like a year ago or two years ago and I said, it's a fairly sizable family reunion. And someone at work asked me, what does, quote, fairly sizable mean to you? I'm like, 250? <laughs> I, had, I had no, they're like, wow, that's huge. Yeah, that's, that's giant. That's like a huge that's family a giant reunion. Family I'm reunion. Like, I had no clue what, like, what a large family reunion is because I've just been used to like, all these generations, but I have some really big genealogy buffs in the family. Yeah. So we're talking like tons of different documentation and they got, you know, you walk up and you've got your, like your genealogy from like the original family member is one. And then your dash two, cause it was the second kid dash five dash one dash two a, you know, all this, like, it's like, I've got a basically a barcode on me, yeah. but it's, but it was fascinating to look at the history and then they talk about like where this person came from and you know what boat they sailed over on and, and when they came is like everybody becomes a historian. Like at the end, moral of the story, folks, everybody becomes a historian at some point, whether it's your own life or somebody else's life. Yeah, I, I think that's because humans have advanced. I mean, we have to put this in perspective. Humans have advanced because we write down essentially our knowledge, our history. We write it down and we kept track of it. If we never kept track of anything, like when the library at Alexandria burned to the ground, human history lost thousands of years of records because they were burned, right? All the scrolls were burned. And you think about those issues. If the internet were to be burn up tomorrow and all the servers were to be destroyed and everything that was stored on the internet was wiped, we still have physical assets at libraries, but... Here's the thing. And people all say the same thing all the time. It was like, well, what about libraries? What's the future of libraries? If you lose libraries, like that's your only backup source for all of these, these digital records. If the world were to, if the internet were to burn and all the servers were to die, a lot of human knowledge would be lost. And because that's One, what, that's our advantage. That's what we have an advantage over dogs and other people because we care about time and past and present and future dogs don't care dogs are like what time is it uh is it time to eat is it time to go for a walk is it time to you know go to sleep like sit on sit on my human's lap yeah yeah yeah. well and and you're right like like they think there's and i love like libraries and books are fascinating to me i'm a total like techno nerd digital guy but like i love going to a bookstore to a library and just like going through the physical stuff. I don't know if it's just the tactile, the tactile nature of it. But um, I think, well, one, first off, back to your other point, I think some would look at the news and argue that the internet is burning, but that's for for many other reasons. One one could argue that what, what can you believe on the internet? But I think there's, this is where I'm always, I think it's, it's a combination of combining like libraries, I think it's fascinating when libraries try to digitize 
and they try to get mm -hmm. both in there to try to meet that medium so people can learn. Because ultimately, it, I guess my question is, is a library to archive things or is a library there to help people learn? Because used to, it was 100% help people learn, but now people use the internet. So is, is a library just an archive? I mean, is it really Libraries more archive were history? essentially archives. I mean, look look at the common library. Let's just let's just talk about something called microfiche for a second. Like, yeah. like, like just fishing. <laughs> but like microfiche was where we stored newspapers and we stored image. This is before you had images on archive.org where you go out and you can find all sorts of weird old newspapers. Microfiche was what and I did it for my masters. I had to use microfiche microfiche documents of um, base closure and realignment for the military. Cause I was writing a, I was writing a big paper on, on um, base closures. And so I had to actually go and look at all these microfiche documents and copy it by hand or print it I actually had the printer hooked up to it to print the microfiche document. You that's not available to the average consumer. It wasn't to learn. That was to store. That was to Truly maintain. To store. That yeah, was to maintain. It was, it was almost a privilege. It was almost a privilege right. to be able to access that stuff. And I guess hence the quote scholars. Right. right. When you think of scholars, it's a higher, it's a higher level, higher education, higher institute of learning has access to knowledge. And I guess that's the difference now is back to my internet is burning thing, but knowledge, everyone or not everyone, lots of people have access to knowledge now. So they have libraries access to information. Are, information knowledge you know maybe maybe iffy there and i mean even i mean even the library you could go get access to information and interpret it incorrectly sure, exactly. i'm i'm gonna head over to the central library when we're done here and ask them if they have any information on gummy bears <laughs> um, i'm gonna fiddle you know fiddle through the what? dewey decimal system but but, but but I mean, there's there's an archive thing, but there's information out I, there. I agree with you. I think there is I, books, books as a format, just like we were talking earlier before the podcast started, television series offer you deeper information than you can deliver in a movie. Books offer you deeper information that you're not available to get out of an internet webpage usually, right? When internet webpages condense things, they, they streamline, they give you just the nuggets of it and they like move on. And even then... It's hard. You could be searching forever to find all the greatest information. I read a book uh, last year called Flow, which is on the history of female menstruation and all the different things that happen with it. Don't ask. I don't need to go into why I read this book. It was just an interesting book, and I read it. On the next episode of Unmotivated <laughs> and Unprepared. Well, what happened was actually I was watching. No, really, this is how it happened. I was watching a Pirates movie, and then I started thinking about it. They said, well, there's these female pirates. And then I thought about, huh? What at sea, female sailors? Wait, menstruation on a boat? How did that look? What did that look like as a pirate? Like what happened with that? And then I was like, I need to go look this up. So then I went to look about how menstruation was like how they did it on ships. And then there's a whole book on it. And so I bought the book and read the book. And that gives you a lot more detailed information you'll ever get on the internet. And I think interesting. I think libraries are the are the source of that archive. 
books themselves independently can take that archival information and translate it and make it available. But it's a single book that does it. I still think libraries are essentially centers of archival information that are available to pull out. While I do think the consumer library, I do agree with you that consumer libraries or residential libraries are there for easy consumption of novels and some nonfiction, but they don't have the they don't have the the girth and the depth and breadth of books that that a, that a university library or no. a city uh, um, a governmental or municipal library will have. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. So we're we're coming up on time. We went we all went over the from, place today, Ross. Dude, well, that's I mean, isn't that the point? You know, I mean, last <laughs> week was. Last week was a fun episode. If you haven't checked it out on Vegas, this week was, you know, I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to make retirement fun, but I will tell you like going from retirement to moral of the story, everybody becomes a historian in retirement at some point yes. in time, I think is good. I think, I think it's, it's good. good, but I will, I will add with one last note. So I, I happen to have an opportunity to see Ashley Gavin, which is a comedian last night uh, here in Charlotte. And she is she is a LGBTQ comedian, specifically a lesbian comedian, uh, and has gotten famous on TikTok. Uh, that's where most people have found her. She has an unbelievable podcast. But la- last night she was talking about how the podcast, she didn't have an agent. And so she started a podcast. And she really avoided doing a podcast because she thought, essentially, you don't have to have any talent to do a podcast. And yet in the process of doing the podcast, everyone found her and saw how much talent she actually has. Now, I'm not claiming that neither you or I actually have talent, but I do believe that perseverance of this podcast and maintaining a format and being able to move around the way we do allows the few listeners who find us uh, something, I think, enjoyable. And I think it is something that is some mark of talent, at least on our part. So... Yeah, no, I agree. Interesting point. I agree. Yeah, the people, the people I send this link to, they'll find it and they'll be like, "Wow, they really do randomly go around in different places." I mean, they they went from expats to female pirate menstruation. So, (laughs) I mean, that's a that's a leap. That's we're we're definitely nerdy. That's yeah, we 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 took a leap from one ship to the other, if you will. So (laughs) that's 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 a big deal. So. All right, Greg. Well, hey, it was, as always, great talking to you. And for those still listening, cue in on that outro coming up here in a second because slightly different vocal. You got to, I mean, just key in on it. You'll hear it. So until next time, Greg, always a pleasure, my friend. Always Always a pleasure. pleasure. See you, Greg. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unmotivated and Unprepared. Join us again next time as we continue to meander through random topics at a pace defined by our mood, the weather, and what happened five minutes earlier.